Have you ever wanted to live on Toronto Island? You look out over the lake if you're ever down here by the waterfront and you see that uh, beautiful green, uh, well, at least in the summer it's beautiful and green right now, sort of uh, brown. But the leaves will grow back on the trees. Don't worry, they always do. But uh, you think of what it would be like to live in sort of a cottage lifestyle across the lake from the uh, large uh, metropolitan city that is uh, Toronto. And, uh, you know, the... Uh, the councillor in charge of uh, serving the people of the island, Pam McConnell, uh, is concerned about the island's aging population. She says there's a demographic change going on. The tradition of the island has always been families, but now we're seeing more seniors. And I, I always find it funny when we're talking about demographics and we're seeing more seniors. It's not like the seniors just popped out of a black hole somewhere. Now, you see, these families got older and young people turn into old people. It's funny the way that works like that. Have you ever left fruit out on a table that gets sort of shriveled up after a while? That's what happens. They're just they're just the same young people. Uh, but the, now they're older and their children have moved on and the population of the island has actually decreased. And I saw a 5.6% population decline in from 2011 to 2016. And right now there are 260 residents of the island. And, uh, you know, I can talk about people on the island and they're always so mysterious. But I thought I should call a person who lives on the island. And uh, Martin Middlestead is an island resident and he joins us right now on the Kelly Cotrera Show. Thank you so much, Martin, for uh, for joining me here. Uh, hi, Chris. Glad to, glad to be here. You know, uh, there's an interesting history behind uh, some of this, uh, the, the population of the island, how people have gotten there. Martin, how long have you lived there? Since the early 90s, I've lived here. Just one quick correction. There's, yeah, sir. 200, there's 260 homes, 200. and there's about 700 residents. It's the, the number of residents that's been going down slightly. Gotcha. Sorry. Did I say 200? I, 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 I uh, must have messed up my oh, notes okay. there, but thank you for the correction. I appreciate that, Martin. Uh, so uh, the, the experience apparently is suggesting now that they're calling for younger people to uh, put in an application to be someone who lives on the island, because now this is a it's a lease situation, right, Martin? You don't have uh, you don't own those properties. No, we don't. We what we do is we own the house, but we lease the land. And there's um, you know, people who live here can't sell their houses to just anybody. We can't put it up for sale. We have to sell it through a um, province of Ontario run structure. So if you wanted to you know, give it to your kids, are you able to do that? I can give it to my kids. I can sell it or give it to my kids, but I can't uh, sell it to anyone else. And the province uh, set up a system where there's a, a waiting list of about 500 people uh, who get first dibs on the home. And part of the reason why they're calling for young people to sign up is because, uh, according to the numbers, it takes about 35 years between joining the waiting list and actually getting to move there. Well, that even that, even that might be optimistic. If, <laughs> if, if we're dying out, maybe the uh, the people on the waiting list there'll be uh, you know more people getting homes. Uh, Martin, how long did it take you to get yours? Just as, sort of as an I, example. I bought. Uh, I moved here before there was the legislation, right. and that's when they're, they're still allowed uh, homes to be uh, bought and sold. Gotcha. Uh, and you know, I think a frustration for, with us mainlanders sometimes is you know it, it feels like you've got this really cushy deal on the island to people who look jealously from across the lake and shake their fists at you. Do, do you, uh, 
In the past, and uh, we talked a little bit off the air about it, Martin, there have been attempts to try and raise the population and change the demographics on the island. In, in, the, in the early 90s, the uh, Bob Ray NDP government wanted to build more housing here, and there were uh, plans drafted, the architects were hired, the, the sites were selected, but then uh, when the Ray government was defeated and uh, Mike Harris and his Tories got in, they killed the, the housing. There would have been I don't know, I think it was 120 new housing units. So there, there would have been a, a larger number of people living here. And keep in mind, too, that the, the, the community that exists now is only a small fraction of what used to be here. There used to be you know, hundreds more homes, but those were uh, bulldozed uh, under plans that started in the 50s uh, where they, they wanted to uh, uh, turn the, basically the whole island into golf courses and uh, places where you could drive out here and park your car and then walk to the beach, those sort of things. Sort of like a, a big park, sort of national park sort of situation. Something, something like that, yeah. On the island. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a resident of the island, um, there's, uh, there's a feeling that, you know, people have that you guys are very adverse to change. Is, is, there, is there that? Because I feel well, a little when, bit when sort of like you're, uh, you were disappointed that that uh, housing didn't get built. Well, when the, um, when the plans were there for the housing, the, I think the, the majority of people on the island were in favor of it. And it's partially because, the, you know, there is the land here. It, it, people wanted to try to reestablish housing on some of the land where the, the houses had been bulldozed. And uh, there, there's also the view that, you know, the a community needs people or else it withers and dies, as, as I think the premise of, your, of, your, of this you know, mm-hmm. segment of your show is. And uh, it would have brought in an influx uh, of people. And because it would have been co-op housing, there probably would have been more turnover than there is in the houses here. And so other than expanding the, uh, the neighborhood on the island, there's really no way to really change or uh, inject any youth or uh, new new people onto the island. It's going to be quickly. a very slow process. But you know, I think when you know when you uh, raise the idea of talking about this, I think that there must be loads of na- loads of neighborhoods in Toronto where there are lots of people, mm-hmm. you know, getting older. Their kids are moving out, and you know, because of housing prices being what they are, you know, nobody, you know, no young people can afford to live in a lot of areas. Well, I think and, a lot of the population growth has been in high rises, yeah. condos things like of that nature that have moved into some old suburban yeah. neighborhoods too. I'm guessing you know that isn't something that you'd like to see for the future of uh I don't think the Toronto people Island. want high rises here uh that wouldn't really fit in with the neighborhood but you know the cottage style houses or a, a low rise uh, structures that's what was planned before. And uh Martin I guess you know I I'm speaking as someone in the community on the island is there a feeling that, that the population is getting too old, or is this just sort of concern happening at City Hall that doesn't represent uh, the actual feeling of the island residents? I think that there's worries about the graying of the community. It's, it's not like I look out the window and see people hobbling by with canes and mm-hmm. pushing walkers. Well, and, probably not. They're stuck in their houses. <laughs> but it's not like a, ger- a giant geriatric ward yet, but, you know, if you're fielding kids' teams for mm-hmm. baseball and that sort of thing, it's, it's not... You know, you, you, there aren't a lot of uh, people. Those, those things would work better. If and there, there is something nice on, in a uh, quiet, in a nice neighborhood about having uh, the sound of children playing on a yeah, Saturday you know, afternoon. Having the canoe club have enough kids to uh, field, uh, you know. You have to outsource. You're going to have to get some condo kids over uh-huh. there to uh, do the cl- canoe club. Well, yeah, I think a lot of those uh, condos don't have many kids either. Uh, 
Well, I appreciate your time, Martin, and thank you so much for helping me out and getting that perspective from someone who actually lives on the island and uh, can can speak to all of this. I really do appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you. Thanks very much. That's Martin Middlestead, who is an island resident. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.